Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet. I'm about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after what must be a frustrating, uh, frustrating game for fans to watch out there. Hey, Kenny's. I put this on. I went upstairs and I changed, and I put this on here because that's Kenny's tagline. And boy, oh boy, the Jets could have heard that tonight. You know, what's the meme going around the internet now? It's like, tell me you're this without telling me you're this. Well, we've been hearing this word time and time again about the Winnipeg Jets, that they're inconsistent. Well, tell me you are inconsistent without telling me you're inconsistent. How about going out and losing two to one with that effort to the uh, Philadelphia Flyers after the game, the masterpiece that you had against the St. Louis Blues on Saturday night. You know, that that the disappointing part about all of this, I think, if you're a fan watching that game, is there's just so many times this season, I think you've been just waiting to see the Jets turn the corner, right? To put in an effort and see like, okay, now that's the point at which we're going to start revving up. That's the foundation. We've laid the foundation. Let's start heading forward. And I'm not naive enough to think that one game, one performance against the St. Louis Blues was going to lay a foundation. And from then on, the Jets were just going to take take off. But I think that that Saturday game, which I'd said in our last show, I thought was maybe the Jets' best 60-minute effort of the entire season. I feel that was wasted with this tonight. I Listening to the game, listening to Kevin Sawyer talk about the game, I think there was a feeling you know, within the TSN broadcast that the Jets won the first period. I didn't necessarily see that. I saw uh, two teams that were fairly close. I saw the second period, same deal. The Jets you know, pushed at the beginning of the period. F- Philly pushed at the end of the period, but Philly comes out with the goal out of that period. The third period, in my opinion, was all all the Philadelphia Flyers unacceptable effort I thought for a team that really needed to turn things around uh and I'll just mention this quickly I haven't even seen what the outcome is of the game but this is a night in which the Calgary Flames and the Dallas Stars were playing last I saw it was 3-1 for the Dallas Stars but this is one of those games and again it's why I talk about the danger of falling behind as many teams as the Winnipeg Jets have is you end up Because you're behind so many teams, you need so many teams to fall apart. The problem is in the conference, so many teams play against each other. Tonight was a night where the Calgary Flames or the uh, Dallas Stars were going to, one of those two teams is going to take a a two point step forward. And the Winnipeg Jets on a night like this against a team like the Philadelphia Flyers needed to recognize that and needed to go out and try and keep pace. Uh, Just absolutely, absolutely upsetting effort. I think if you're a Winnipeg Jets fan looking at this team, and if you're a Winnipeg Jets player, I think we heard a little bit of that from the Jets themselves. We'll get into talking about that. But first, let's bring in my main man, Kenny Weeb. He'll have something to say about this. I can guarantee you that. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, my friend, how are you doing on this evening? Oh, doing fantastic, Sean. Thank you. 
Uh, Joy Wearing matching shirts. Look at this. Yeah. Look, <laughs> look at the support. Yeah, look at the yeah. support. Look at the support. Gonna have to <laughs> stick out the chest a little bit here. <laughs> it's it's a it's a message that needs to be out there on a night like tonight. Ken, let's sure. start off. Uh, feel free. The buffet is set out. It is steaming. There's soup. There's dessert. There's everything you want here. <laughs> Go at it. What did you see out there tonight? Yeah, definitely uh, not going to be tiptoeing into the pool here. It's uh, full-on cannonball time, Sean, as we like to say. Uh, yeah, just not acceptable. This is not an acceptable outcome for a team which is, uh, you know, talking so much about, you know, we hear all the buzzwords every single day, but uh, that was not a consistent effort. Uh, that was not a good period. Uh, that was not a good enough effort against a team that had lost 13 of its previous 14 games. Uh, Dave Lauer used the word desperation. The Jets did not show desperation. They had a great start, but their inability to, I mean, again, <laughs> hate to start out with the broken record commentary, but the inability to get that game to two to nothing uh, on a two on one or two on nothing uh, was partly to blame for the Jets suddenly finding themselves in a tie game. And then they, you know, just made a, a play that was not uh, very well managed. Uh, I went and watched the replay three or four different times now. I understand there's a very much a divided uh, divided fan base on what's to blame. And uh, let's just start with this. Lots of This is not a single player's blame. But in a 1-1 hockey game, you have to you have to be watching the situation. That that's part of the problem here. Uh, I love the way the Villy Hanela played on Saturday against the St. Louis Blues. If the Jets are down a goal, by all means, attack the net on the give and go there. But with Paul Stastny being down low at the goal line, and Jansen Harkins essentially occupying the same space that Villy Hanela was trying to get to. Get to. I. I don't like the pinch there. I know some people are quick. I mean, again, this is not a personal attack. Just situationally, I don't like the play there. It's overly aggressive, and that's part of the reason it ended up in the back of the net. I love the creativity. I love that he saw the play happen in real time. But you know what you can't afford to do in that situation, Sean? Is give up an odd man rush that ends up in the back of the net. If they get the goal, of course, they're thrilled. But that, to me, is adding a little bit too much of an element of risk at a time when making the conservative play is the right play. So I'm not here to blame Vili Hainala. It was not a very good pass by Pierre-Luc Dubois. But the part of the issue that wasn't really seen in, in real time was that Harkins was already going to the spot that Hainala was trying to get to. So I understand some folks are saying sit back. This is not about sit back. The Jets needed at least one point out of that game. And the only way you lose the one point is by giving up a late goal. So here's that's the thing. I mean, I think Vili Hanel played very well up to that point. But this is what we've talked about on so many levels, Sean. You were on this from day one. There are going to be growing pains with the young offensive player. And this is another one. Uh, but again, the, the, that Vili Hanel is not the reason why the Jets lost. That play contributed to how the Jets played, but the Jets were not good enough. Their desperation level was not high enough. They were not urgent enough, and that's why they lost. They were not a good enough team, and they lost to a team that had been struggling mightily. So uh, that's my two cents. Uh, we'll dig into it more, but I uh, want to get your take on what you what you saw in the play. Well, 
What I saw was a team across the board on that play that was just far, far, far too casual. So you are entirely right. And listen, there's already a debate raging online. There's a lot of people out there who are who who feel like uh, Vili Hanela has been a scapegoat for this team for a long time. One, not getting opportunities, and two, getting blamed for when things go wrong here. Um, I mean, you know, and there will probably be people out there, Ken, that see you and I as, you know, having this conversation, as using him as scapegoats or how we talked about him in his first game where he didn't have his best game. You know, I, I think we said, you know, I, I, I like to think that we say things as we see them, right? And how I saw that first game was that was a player who was getting in after a long time, a lot of For rust, sure. maybe a little bit nervous. I've said he's gotten better every single game since then. <laughs> We're starting to see more and more what he's supposed to be. What he is is he's a guy who likes to affect the outcome of the game. I'm starting to see more and more why maybe he was kept out of the lineup as long as he was, Ken, because we have seen this. There, there was a play last year. There was a game last year in a game the Jets felt they really needed. We had a conversation on this show about a risky play that Billy Hanel made. He turned over the puck. It went the other way. It's in the back of the Jets net. It ended up being a game that they lost on that goal. Well, that happens again here tonight. You are entirely right. Not only is Stastny down by the post, close enough to grab the post, but his glove has fallen off and he's reaching down to pick up the glove when Billy Hanela decides that he's going to pinch and go in. Jansen Harkins is shoulder to shoulder with the goaltender, with Carter Hart. He is down. His feet are in the crease or in that area by the crease. The, these two are not players who are able or in a position to cycle up and cover off the defenseman. So the puck goes to Pierre-Luc Dubois. Well, he's got the puck and he gets past the puck as he's moving downwards into the corner. That means that every forward is locked up down in the play. So if you are Vili Hainala, in my mind, you need to make sure that this is a play that is going to work, that yeah. is going to result in an A-plus scoring chance if you're going to make that play. Now, I'm not putting this all on him. Pierre-Luc Dubois, the pass back, is far too casual. Far too casual. That said, the only way he can get the puck to Billy Hanela is by lifting it. By He's got to sauce it. He has to sauce it. There's nothing else he can do. Now, so while Pierre-Luc Dubois is being far too casual in that in that spot, so too is Billy Hanela who tries to bat the puck out of the net and not at the net just to try and bat it out of the net and send it somewhere. Get your hand off your stick and glove that. It's easy for me to say this. Listen, I'm not trying to say like, oh, blah, blah, do this, do that. I know these things happen in real time. But if you're trying to make sure that puck doesn't get by you, you're taking your hand off your stick and you're gloving that down. Suddenly it's going the other way. I'm saying this right now. Dave Lowry had talked about it and you can take it, get your thoughts on what you thought of that. But Dave Lowry said he needed to have a forward coming up. A, a defenseman, if you are going to pinch, needs to pinch knowing that someone is going to be there or that there's nothing that's going to stop them from getting an A1 scoring chance in this situation. I think it's a bad read by Billy Hamla. I think it's a casual play by Pierre-Luc Dubois, who probably should have just ate it and taken it around the back of the boards, but he's trying to make something happen. It's a casual play by Billy Hamla for not trying to glove it out of the air. And then when it goes the other way, there's one last culprit here. And I, I, I'm just, this is my way of saying there was plenty of blame to go around. If you're, if you're a defenseman and you're playing a two yeah. on one, you've got a choice. You try and take the shooter or you take 
the pass away, right? So he tries to take the pass away. But Ken, when he does, he lies down and he slides. But he slides in the wrong direction. He slides towards the shooter. Yep. And by doing that, when the if the puck gets through, the rebound is there. And, and the, the other man has all the time in the world to slap the puck in. If he had lied down and slid to the far side, then he occupies the space where the puck is and the second man can't get towards that puck. So it's it's th- there is plenty of blame to go around between Billy Hanla, Pierre-Luc Dubois and, and Neil Pionk on that play. But it is far too casual at that point in the game. And you're right, Ken, they needed a point out of this tonight. There was no reason to be taking the risks that they took at that point in the game. It's a team that's unfocused. It is a team that is not doing the things it needs to do to win right now. And that's what we saw. That's the difference in that game. Uh, And I mean, you know, to be honest, the way that the Philadelphia Flyers were pushing, I saw a team that had lots of opportunities throughout the game, but you can tell, Ken, they just don't like how many times did you see a guy take a pass and just fumble the pass time and time again on that team. That's a team, they are a fragile team right now, but they were a fragile team that was outworking and getting more opportunities than the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets, I thought, were lucky to be in the game by that point. And the fact that they they end up shooting themselves in the foot beyond that is just inexcusable for a team that has any designs on making the playoffs. Yeah, and one one quick one. I'm glad that you mentioned Pionk because uh, you're right. It, he didn't. You got to either play the. You got to leave the shooter to the goaltender and take the other guy. Right. I mean, I understand he took away the passing lane, but Lawton was kind of committed to shooting. So in that situation, you got to make sure that you have the second guy tied up so that there's no second chance, which is what ended up in the back of the net. Uh, you know, it was a tough night for Pionk. I mean, he's logged a lot of heavy minutes and he's had plenty of nights where he's been excellent. Tonight was not one of the days where he handled the puck overly well. Um, but one quick, one last quick thing to tie up the bow on Hanela for those folks who think <laughs> that I'm that I'm on his case, folks, check the receipts. I think Vili Hanela has a great chance to be a top pairing defenseman, and part of the reason he tries to get involved offensively is because he's had. This is the this is the thing for a player like Vili Hanela. You want to make an impact in the hockey game. That's what your you know your inner drive is telling you to do, but what happens when the play doesn't turn out and it ends up in the back of the net? You go from helping your cause to hurting your cause, right? I mean, you understand why you're trying to make that move because you're trying to stay in the lineup. You're thinking Dylan DeMello is ready to come back after the break. You know, when is Logan Stanley back? When is Dylan Sandberg back? I mean, I understand why you're aggressive there. But it has to work out. You have to kind of weigh the pros and the cons. And yep. he raised the risk profile too much. So let's move on. That's not the only goal scored in the game. Let's go to the tying goal. I mean, we'll get into the you know play of the Dubois line later on. On the tying goal, I don't like two plays. Obviously, Pionk has the obvious turnover. But this is a bigger issue to me, Sean. I don't know what you think, but... Mark Shifley losing the battle along the wall to Scott Lawton. That's if that play doesn't happen, there's no turnover opportunity. I understand it happens fast, and I'm not saying this was an easy play for Mark to make, but Sean, to me, it reminds me so much of the Jaden Schwartz play. It happens on a different part of the ice, but if we're looking at at Game Five against St. Louis. 
The puck does not get around to Tyler Bozak unless Mark Shifley doesn't get knocked off the puck in the corner by Alex Steen. It almost the exact same thing happens on the tying goal. Scott Lawton wins the battle with Mark Shifley, knocks him off the puck. Yes, the Jets still had possession, but that's a play that has to get out of the out of the defensive zone. So, I mean, we'll get we'll get into Shifley a little bit more. I saw too many of the same signs. And I, I said this with Huss the other day on Friday. Mark Shifley, to me, Sean, looks like a guy who needs to get away from the rink. When Dave Lowry was talking about needing guys needed to come back rejuvenated, nobody, to me, needs to get away from the game and be more rejuvenated in the second half than Mark Shifley. Because to me, Sean, you know, as great as Kyle Connor has been in the first half and as great as Pierre-Luc Dubois has been in the first half, the Jets can't make a reasonable run without getting peak Mark Shifley. Sean, and I don't think that we've seen peak Mark Shifley no. on very many nights this season. And if the Jets don't have peak Mark Shifley, it's going to be awfully difficult for them to overcome some of these hurdles. I saw a little bit of casualness, not maybe as much as Saturday, but I don't know, I don't know what you think. I mean, let's, let's get Hammy in here to talk about it as well, but... To me, it looks like he, there's a lot of situation where he's avoiding contact, Sean. And and that, that to me, Mark Shifley is when he's at his best. Behind the goal line, he's inviting contact from the defenseman. He's right. winning those battles with spinoffs. Right now, he seems to be avoiding contact at all costs. And that's not the way that Mark Shifley generally plays. Uh, so to me, it seems like something is off. And like I said, I think he's a guy that needs to get away from the game and come back refreshed because the Jets need him to be playing better. Uh, otherwise, it's an awfully difficult task that they have ahead of them. Let's bring in Jeff Hamilton here. And Jeff, you've missed a little bit of it here. People yeah. are talking about the smoke that uh, that we are throwing, firing at each other in the last... Uh, <laughs> oh, the last, man. It was great. Yeah. It was good stuff. It was not honest. as fiery. I'm at the end of and, a road And hey, I checked, out, I checked out your Instagram where you were talking about feeding me my lunch. I saw that there and... <laughs> Metaphorically listen, speaking. Listen, I want I wanted to say I know you're not new because you were here last year, but you're acting like a rookie, so let me explain this to you. You don't grade <laughs> your own oh, that one on. in the mirror. You don't you don't grade your own paper on the Kenny and Rennie show. The chat room will do that to you. You're acting like the guy who like chucks up a basketball and then turns to the crowd. I'm acting like the Jets. One one piece of little success and, and all of a sudden I'm on friend. top of the listen, world, right? I'm I'm willing to keep giving you your shot. Keep taking your shot. You're gonna hit it one of these times don't worry about it my friend uh in all seriousness and have me hang on hang on come up and get some air you back. ken you had something to say here yeah i just wanted jeff to know that i'm still waiting for the text that's from sean that said you guys were right i didn't get it i don't think that you got it either though well i the, feel like i saw it in his face though you, you know, guys have to be right first before i send <laughs> back i actually i actually this is good because we'll go in this direction i brought both quotes the quote that you guys were talking about from mark oh, Shifley, no. and then oh, i good. brought no no quote. let's go back to it later no just let's... listen just listen i brought the quote from stastny as well that you elicited tonight jeff in your conversation with him so we'll take both of them and they're like listen i'm i'm open to to this and i think this is really important because we're hearing more of these kind of conversations coming from the leaders on this team and like clearly 
Clearly, Mark Shifley was calling for something. Clearly, Paul Stastny tonight was calling for something. We're going to get to that. I just wanted to, to finish up on what you were talking about. And then, Jeff, uh, I, we should before we move too far, we should get your thoughts on the, the game-winning goal for the Flyers and the game-tying goals the goal by the Flyers. We're talking about that right now. Sorry, Ken, what do you have to say? Sorry, just one quick one. Uh, BA split. Uh, I I understand what the tying goal was. It was not tripping on Lawton. Lawton knocked Shifley off the puck, and I did mention Pionk's turnover already. They were both issues. Okay, so here, so the way I see it, that play, uh, yes, it's, it's a turnover by Pionk. Um, I do think that Shifley gets out-muscled on the play. So again, this is one of these things where I think there's a lot of blame to kind of mm-hmm. go around on this situation, just the same as there was in the second game. So yeah, Shifley gets out-muscled. I, I don't look at it as being Sorry, the cardinal the, spin is, on is, that is play. Is that the Pionk give up? For, yes. Yeah. He, yeah. He got out-muscled. I thought he got tied up. Well, he's down on the ice, right? He's down on the ice, but I mean, he's down on the ice. He doesn't get the puck. But to me, the biggest part of that play, Ken, is the puck squirts out and it goes into the middle and two Jets players go for it. Two Jets right. players try and pounce on it and get it out of the zone. It's Andrew Kopp, who is right where he's supposed to be. And it's Neil Pionk who's jumping up into the play to try and erase the mistake that he already made. Neil Pionk is out of position, which is why when the puck turns back the other way, the Flyers have room to get the shot off because they're in the spot that Neil Pionk just vacated to move shoulder to shoulder with Andrew Kopp to try and jump on that puck and get it out of the zone. So, I mean, we talked about Neil Pionk's, you know, owns a little bit of that second goal of the game, the game winner. It wasn't Neil Pionk's best night. And again, we we never are on this show doing this, trying to make it sound like we're holding anyone, hanging anyone out to dry. And yes, these are plays that happen in real time. And it's easy for us to sit here and make these calls you know, from the, you know, the safety and the, the, safety. you know, in our own home and, you know, with the, the, the benefit of instant replay, like I've looked at these plays over and over again, but Shifley to me is not the one who, who's most at fault for that. First oh, no. Neil Pionk is clearly the guy Neil Pionk who not only turns it over and agreed. He was, yeah. he was, so it was that cop. I, I'm trying to remember who was kind of leaving the zone, but he left the zone and Pionk, whipped the puck to nobody and gave up. And here's the other thing. I mean, yes, it's a bad give up. You can obviously look at Neil Pionk to that one. He, he, he has the giveaway. He'll get the credit for the giveaway, but that's a nice shot. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, and I thought I, I'm Jennifer, I'm going to, I hope I don't butcher her name, but Berthelet or something like that. I thought she had a great tweet today. It was like the Jets can't score on a two on O, but this connecty could score on a far down three, you know what I mean? Far yeah. down, like, you know, and, and through, you know, Hanel, it wasn't a screen, but it went through Hanel's stick and in a perfect spot. I mean, did, did know it go off Hanel's stick? No, it looked to me it, like it, it, a redirected. No. So it looked as if that maybe Pionk got a piece of it when he was back checking on him. But it, but, but no, I don't, I don't believe it got touched. I think it was pretty clear through it, but, but that's a great <laughs> shot. You know, that's, yeah. a, that, that's a great shot. And on top of but that's finish. You know what I mean? Like, the Jets can't finish on a 2-on-0, but he can go bar down on, on Connor Halbuck. And we all know Connor Halbuck is, I'm going to say weak, because I don't think he has tons of weaknesses, but he does get beat high glove side quite often. And so, you know, it was the perfect shot, um, you know, after a brutal giveaway. I mean, that's that's how you sum up that one. But that game's far from... You know, I don't even know if that's a momentum changer. That's just an unfortunate situation. The Jets yeah. 
have to own the rest of the game. I mean, you can't score in 48 seconds and then go 59 minutes and 12 seconds yep. without a, without scoring goals You're, against a team who, you know, and we don't have to, yeah, the Jets know this. I mean, this team has lost 13 out of their last 14 games. Absolutely, you know, decimated at center. I mean, their top three centermen, Clojure is not supposed to play center on this team. He's a great winger. He's he's not the same centerman that he used to be. But when you don't have Derek Broussard, you don't have Kevin Hayes, you don't have Sean Couturier in your lineup, how do you win? That is literally like saying the Jets don't have Mark Scheifele, which I know is, you know, maybe a good or bad thing at this point as we debate this or whatever. Pierre-Luc Dubois and Adam Lowry. You know what I mean? Like, it, it would be like that situation. So not capitalized on those, you know, on, on that lineup. It's insane. Well, in fairness, the Jets don't have Nathan Beaulieu, Jeff. Like, come on. Balance That's it out. Yeah fair, yeah, fair enough. My, my, my mistake. Yeah, exactly. Hey, quick one, Sean. Before we get into anything else, let's, uh, you know, Jeff's on the scene here. Uh, you know, Jeff, uh, for folks at home who maybe were sour after the game ended, uh, give us a little, you know, picture, paint the picture of what happened on scene. Sounds like there was a certainly a team meeting after the game a long time before the players came out. Uh, maybe some quick thoughts on that and also what you heard, uh, you know, coming out of, you know, from Paul Stastny, Josh Morrissey and Dave Lowry. Okay. So, uh, you know, it felt like there might be a players meeting. I don't know if the players are just, you know, smarter now and not mentioning a players meeting because then the, the, the players meeting will be brought up in every story and every, you yeah. know, uh, you know, for the rest of the season, we, we know there's still another half year, but there was certainly a delay. I mean, I'm sitting there looking at my deadline, wondering, are these guys ever coming out? I got a group of guys that, you know, there's no other report. Well, I guess there's some jets guys here, but there's no other report from Winnipeg. It's me and a bunch of Philly guys. And they're like, is this usually what happens with the jets? I go, man, they just lost to the flyers and there's probably a team meeting, but I asked Paul Stastny and he, he I'm not going to read into any hesitation here because I don't think he was hesitating. I don't know if there was, but he certainly downplayed it and said, you know, he ultimately said whatever it was, whether you want to call it a players only meeting or, you know, there was certainly a delay in it. And the message was, you know, guys, you know, you can go, you can go away and have fun. But when you come back, you know, we have a massive, massive, massive hill to climb ahead of us. Which, it, which includes 40 games in 81 days. That's every second day for anyone who's an expert at math. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, that's not a lot of practice time. And they can't really, they can't afford, they can't afford to come back and, and not be strong right off the bat. So the reality is, is you need to wake up. You know what I mean? Like it's, and, 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 and here's the thing, who's the one saying it? Like who's the one in the, in the room telling the other guys to wake up? It's, it's probably not Paul Stastny. You know, he's got, you know, he's got certainly some, you know, great quotes and he, he seems to put things into perspective. He's not yelling at anybody. And so I don't think it was that. Like, I don't think it was, you know, again, I wasn't in that room, but the vibe I got, even from Josh Morrissey, who, you know, and I asked him that question about, because my, in my impression of this team is they can't handle success. You know, they, 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 they go on, we haven't seen them string anything together. You know, they have a great game against the Blues on Saturday. It's all about the blueprint and consistency and wanting to ride a high. And then we see tonight's game. I mean, and, and it, that, that is just a microcosm of what we've seen all season. This team, you know, they get, they get, they get feeling really good. And all of a sudden, Mark Scheifele's, you know, catcalling reporters in the background and they lose six in a row. You know what I mean? Like, this is a team that just doesn't handle itself well under success. And, and I don't know if it's whether or not 
you have you know clearly there's consistency issues, but I don't know if it's game plan. I don't know if it's execution. I don't know if it's feeling too good. Morse Josh certainly shot that down, not like you know harshly, but he said he didn't feel like it's an arrogance team. He did mention that you know good teams have a swagger to them, and and that you want to have a bit of that confidence and swagger, you know, in 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 your room and in, and in your lineup. And but you know I think that confidence and swagger is one thing to show outwardly, but if you know when you're not showing that on the ice or when you're squeezing the sticks or when things don't go your way, what we saw in St. Louis was yes, we saw execution, but we saw patience. And I don't know. And, and tonight, I thought we saw the opposite. I thought we saw a couple things not go the right way on on offense, and then it all of a sudden became what Paul Stastny said last week, where guys start doing their own thing, becomes a little bit more individual. The offense starts to be created individually, and they're not on the same page. And when you're not on the same page, you know things like that last goal happen, or you know you just you you have breakdowns. And and I I thought the Flyers give them a little bit of credit here, given what their what their deal is. Um, given their situation's been this season, I thought they played pretty good. I thought they played angry, you know, and and, and the Jets didn't match that intensity cert- during certain games. When you're playing an angry team who's who's certainly pissed off because they can't – they almost lost the entire month of January, and they're in home, right, before they go for a week. It's almost like they had nothing to lose, whereas the Jets should have nothing to lose, shouldn't be overconfident, and, and somewhat – don't accept that the fact that they're not playing well and they're not playing angry. They think that this is just going to work out eventually. That's the vibe I get from them. It's they don't want to work to get out of it. They think that their skill will ultimately prevail, and we're we're seeing very very clearly that's not the case, and that there's teams that are taking full advantage of that somewhat laissez-faire attitude on this team. Hammy, uh, you make me think of something, and you'll remember this, Ken, because I had this conversation with a bunch of the journalists in the stands. Uh, and you're talking about ha- the way they handle success. I go back to that game against the Toronto Maple Leafs where the Jets won that game. And I, if you're a Jets fan, you know, and, and I think there's a lot of people who take a look at, oh, the you know, they're playing, the they're playing the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs. And I think people love when they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. The Jets kind of over-celebration of that game, the way that there were, the video that we saw leak from the dressing room, you know, the kind of celebration over, you know, the, the you know, Stanley's arms up in the air and the celebration of a fight that really wasn't even a fight. And it just, all that kind of reeked to me of like, you know, the, the, why are you celebrating a fight that wasn't really a fight? And, and, and one of the journalists uh, had suggested to me, it's the fact that, you know, like, that they the Jets kind of got away with it that night, you know that that, that he didn't that the tr- Toronto went looking to try and give them their comeuppance, and the Jets escaped that comeuppance, and they escaped with the win. And but I, I was in the camp, and I don't know if we talked about it on this show. I I think we did, Ken. We did. But yeah. I was. We. I did. don't I, agree. I, I, I so yeah. This is good. This is why I want to go in this direction. Because I, I took a look at that game and I, I, I honestly wondered, I, I was in the camp of, of the outsider's view of what, why are the Jets celebrating so hard? Like they won this game against Toronto, but the, the whole idea of act like you've been there before, I thought really applied to the Jets at that time. And the funny part about it is I was on Twitter and someone had interacted with one of my things that I went on and I clicked on their profile and their profile was that full bench of Jets players in the dressing room all doing this, celebrating the Logan Stanley thing. And I was thinking to myself, is are, are they in essence in that moment celebrating what will turn out to be the high point of this season because Boy, in the end isn't, isn't that a statement 
Well, but 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 in the end, like maybe maybe they needed to celebrate because maybe that was as good as things were going to get. But I just look back on that and I think it's such a bad look that the Jets were just this team yes. is full of excuses, man. Like, I mean, that's what the borderline is. There's no it's not them. It's not yeah. them. It's circumstance. So, and, so and, 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 hold on. And whether it's a schedule, whether it's a time zone, T. Will's perfect point on here. And I was thinking it right as he was probably typing it. They beat Toronto on the back end of a back to back in that game. You know what I mean? This For is sure. a Jets team that can't win any of their last games in 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 uh, I- at the end of road trips. Whether it's whether it's San Jose in October when a bunch of guys got COVID and they lost that game and what was otherwise a great trip. Every single t- every like there's so many excuses for these guys. It's never their fault. Blake Wheeler comes out what the other day after one of you know an, uh, an ugly six game losing streak and says and says well I don't want to get into excuse excuses I have no interest in that you just said a bunch like mm-hmm. you, like well, then don't bring it up then show up like it doesn't make any sense like everything is you know you can look at this team's schedule and break it down and there's a lot of advantages they've had when they win games. You know what I mean? Like, and the, and and on your point about the the podium, like when Mark Shifley's giving the lid, would he give it to Logan Stanley? I think he gave it like he that. Did, yeah. that, that he type, did. Yeah. He goes. He, gave it he to goes. Logan nothing like beating the Leafs. What are you like? Five or six years old in your pajamas? Like the Leafs aren't thinking that about the Jets. Why are the Jets thinking about that about the Leafs? I don't get I that attitude. Okay, hold on, Hammy. I want to get I want to get Ken's thoughts on this because Ken Ken entirely disagrees with me on this one. So why, Ken? I wouldn't say entirely. I just, I, I think that we got to remember the context. That's Blake Wheeler's thousandth game. Uh, I think that when you look. That's mentioned the, by Julie Sue, yeah. The yeah. Leafs right. are the Leafs are one of the most well-traveled teams. If, if you have a home game, and let's just say there were 5,000 Leafs fans. I mean, the Jets won the game handily. But when the Leafs scored, it sounded like a home game. Right? After that goal. Yeah, fans went yep. nuts. So I think that that's what makes Leafs game special. I don't think the Jets for one second thought that was their Stanley Cup. That's well, I my that, I don't, I don't, I don't th- that's that. my counter argument, Sean. Sean. I think you're wondering if that's where they become. That's where they get their high if they don't. And, and, this and I'm going to give one last thing, Hammer. Like to me, Mark Shifley saying nothing better than beating the Leafs. I mean, do I think he really feels that way? No, I feels like that was one of those moments where you're handing over the helmet. And that's just what kind of came out of his mouth. I I, I don't okay. think that 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 to me represented his his pinnacle. But I mean, that's why I disagree. I do agree with Jeff completely. And part of what you're saying, Sean, the, <laughs> part of the Jets' problem is that they have trouble handling success. They have a one. So isn't that an example? It's not, yes, but I mean, I think you just took it to a little bit too much of an extreme for me. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Okay. So I'm not I'm not dismissing your viewpoint. I'm just saying that I think that and I also think that you have to celebrate it winning is hard. So you should be able to celebrate that, but I do agree with Jeff. I mean, this team gets way too far ahead of itself. Uh, I think there have been times since 2018 where they've kind of in our in in media parlance, they've gotten fat on their press clippings, which is also part of what happened in 2018-19 when they fell off a cliff in the second half. I do still contend a lot of that had to do with Buff and and I Josh Morrissey yeah. being out, but there still was a problem. They had first place in total control, and it fell out of their lap, which is one of the reasons they got bounced in the first round. So I think they do need to handle success a little bit better, and if you don't handle success better, you have no chance, 
right? That's, that's, those are the facts. If you don't handle success better, I mean, hey, if you're playing every other night, maybe you're not thinking about it. But I mean, if the Jets don't handle their success better, they have zero chance in the second half where they have this crazy schedule. Well, I'll say this, Jeff, you and I, and I'll bring this up because you and I were texting back and forth during the game and kind of wondering like where this effort was coming from after that, after that, uh, uh, after that performance against St. Louis. And I texted you this, this is exactly what we've seen from this team all year. I think it says more about this team's ability to pat themselves on the back after small accomplishments. Yes. They had one of their best games of the year last game. Now let's kick back and throw it a half-ass effort in this game. Right? Like I, I do the rest of the message. Hey Jeff, so thankful for your, your takes. I really appreciate it. You really carry us on there. Thanks so much. Can you come? I don't know, man. End of a trip. I'm kind of tired. Don't think I'll be able to make it and, uh, really and yet you're here jeff jeff here. never forget sean has the ability to mute you remember <laughs> always, all, always remember he don't can mute you on me right now don't take can, a little bit of power hammy <laughs> um go, go take take us through your thoughts on that uh on the game winning goal i'm with kenny on that one it's like you're you know it's a great move if you if you don't whiff on that shot you know what I mean? And, and it works. Otherwise, I think you, I think obviously Dave Lowry was clear in the sense that, um, uh, Dave Lowry was clear in the sense that you got to be smart and aware of the time. You know what I mean? This team yeah. doesn't have, you know, this, this team isn't in a situation to not get a point in that game, at least a point in that game. And when you're looking at minutes remaining on the clock, you can't have a young defenseman. And, you know, I think Billy Hainala did not have a great night, but I think Billy Hainala had an absolutely incredible game against the Blues. And these are going to be the growing pains that he goes through as a professional athlete. And I'm obviously in the camp that thinks he's going to be on this team for a long time. He's a great defenseman. But that is a move that you can't make, you know, at, at that time. And, and, and if you don't, um, the, the, the reality is, is it came back to bite you. I mean, that's like, I mean, I think Dave Lowry might have said it. You uh, did say it actually. Was that's hockey? How many times have you know anyone who plays hockey has has seen the puck go the other way on a, on a pinch and whatever, and it ends up in the back of your net? The unfortunate part for the Winnipeg Jets is they don't have a margin for error right now. Yeah. I mean, they they, they 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 can't. You know, Josh Morrissey said it after the game. Like, you know, you, you can't loot. You, you we needed at least a point in that game, and to not to go in there in a one-one game. You know, with with minutes remaining. Um, it's just, it's just, it, it is what it is. So like I, at the end of the day, you need to convert the, you, you know, those are the things that are converted against you when you take some risks, you can't be that, you can't, you know, when you need the points, when you're desperate for points, you can't have that kind of risk, uh, happen in, in, in with minutes remaining. And unfortunately for the jets, unfortunately for Billy Hanela, it came back and, and bit them. So. Okay, guys, I want to get into this because you brought it up earlier on and I typed it into the show here. Let's bring in Paul Stastny. So this is the clip that uh, Hammer himself uh, elicited from Paul Stastny earlier on tonight where he said he thinks it's a matter of getting everyone on the same page. And I think sometimes we've got different guys showing up on some nights, some guys not, but that's going to happen. Uh, We'll start with you, Hammy, because you're the guy who uh, elicited the clip. What did you take away from that? I don't know. I the, Kenny's typing is rattling in my brain right Sorry, now. Sorry, buddy. Um, <laughs> um, you know, Angry I, at I, that you know, it, but I think what it even preceded that was uh, preceded that was I think he said 
in his first, when I first asked him the question, I said, what's the difference here? He goes, it's pretty much the same thing I was talking about before, right? Where, where it's like, you know, one goal gets away from you, get away from your game, right? So all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's kind of what we were talking about years ago. Remember when we used to talk about every time the Jets would get a goal scored on them, they, the whole bench would react and it was just kind of a, you know, a, you know, a, a bit of a fragility in the sense that it, it became the highs and the lows were too high, right? Or too low. The lows were too low. And I thought today, you know, in, in that comment, he's, I don't think he's calling anybody out, anybody out specifically. I think what he's recognizing is that, you know, there's a bit of panic in the Jets game right now. And, and when things aren't going their way, when they're not, when, when you have an offensively gifted offense like the Jets have and, and you're not getting those goals to, to go in or you're not converting those chances, I think there's a natural tendency by a few of them. And, and I think it's individual, right? Because I think there's some guys that are worried about their own individual positions and their own streaks and their, or their own droughts, you know, and you can look at 55 in that regard, you know, like shooting some of those pucks on the power play, they didn't look good. So to me, I think it really is a case of, getting away from the game when things aren't going right for you, but not playing a style or in a way or with structure that's going to create positive results. And so I think there's, I think what we're seeing in all that, and Paul Sassy didn't say this, but what I think he's suggesting is they're cheating the game. And when they, when, when, when things don't go easy for them, they cheat the game. And when you cheat the game, things get even worse. And that's what we're seeing with the Jets is, is when things, when, when, when they can't finish, when they aren't making a, the most of their opportunities, they start drifting away and individuals start thinking different ways of success. And I think that's, that's where it becomes less of a structured game because what we saw against St. Louis was not a offensively driven game. It was a defensively conscious game with structure. I mean, they suffocated the Blues for the entire second period. They allowed two shots and they got two goals because they scored on the power play. And then how was I'm drawing a blank now? Scored on the power play. And then who, who got the second goal? Whatever. It was two goals in that period, but playing defensively first. And I think a lot of the times when, when, when things don't go their way, when they do cheat the game, it's all offensively. And so now as a unit on the ice, they just look like they're scrambling or they're all trying to, they're all trying to fix it real quick instead of being patient, being you know, disciplined in that structure and trusting that it's going to work out like I thought we saw against the Blues. How long have the, T- How long have the Jets cheated the game for? Uh, I know your answer. Sorry, let's start with it, Ken. Do you agree? Do you agree that the Jets are cheating the game? Oh, I would say at times. I, I, you know, I would think that there's certainly some areas of the game where they are not uh, diligent enough in. Um, you know, it wasn't a night where they gave up a, a number of. You know, they didn't give up a ton of odd man rushes, but you know, one of them that they gave up ended up coming at the worst possible time. So that goes back to the whole concept of details. You have to have your details right. Like, it's funny, right? There were times, like I said, we've talked about this. Even during the year they went to the conference final, there were stretches during that year where they gave up tons of odd man rushes, right? Even when they were, this was the beginning of them tightening up defensively. They still had a, you know, they had a large risk profile. They minimized that risk profile as the playoffs went on. Uh, I don't think they played with the same risk profile after Dustin Bufflin left because they didn't have the same offensive talent on the back end that was going to get involved and get involved offensively. So uh, in terms of cheating the game, I mean, they need to do a better job. I mean, they have certain guys that are offensive. They have certain guys that are defensive. They have certain guys that just aren't getting the job done. So, I mean, 
Paul Stastny saying they didn't have everybody show up. Well, that's a fact, right? They didn't have everybody show up. And that's the thing that's plagued the Jets all year. We talked about inconsistency. The inconsistency is they've had very few nights where three lines, never mind three lines. They've had very few nights when they've had two lines going at the same time. So, I mean, is that cheating the game? I mean, they're just not good enough defensively. I mean, um, to me, that's that's my biggest issue. Uh, they, I'm with Jeff all the way. They were opportunistic on Saturday in the second period, two goals and six shots on net. But the far greater, uh, you know, area of success for the Jets was only allowing the two shots against a team that's been playing great at home and has been dominant at home and has, you know, right now far more contributing depth than the Jets have. The Blues have a dangerous fourth line, Sean. We've seen it since 2018 where Oscar Sundquist is on the third or the fourth line. I mean, they've got far more depth uh, having success right now than the Jets do. But on that night, they were very good. Uh, But overall, they need to do a better job. I mean, do they cheat the game at times? Yes, but I don't think it's something that has been a constant. I just don't think that they they have the, the... the requisite level of urgency is not there on nearly enough nights, and that would be when, a concern. When I say cheat the game, I don't mean in the, I mean it as a pattern when things aren't going no, no, their way with the game. I don't think they go into a game looking to cheat it. I think once For things sure. aren't going their way and they feel like this isn't working, I think guys individually cheat the game. Guys try Agreed. to try to put the game on their own stick. Mark Shifley, I think, is probably the most guilty of that. I mean, there was one shift today, and and who knows? Maybe Mark Shifley needs some new line mates. You know what I mean? Like maybe maybe he needs to like he did he get caught out with one shift or was it by design? He was with I think he was with Connor and maybe Dubois at one point. There was a uh, they were they had a lot of pressure in, in in the offensive zone and then Mark was there at the side of the net and he was almost surprised to get the puck. That to me tells me a guy who who's not you know whose head's not in the game and so. But yeah, like the cheating, it's not so much a, a pattern in the sense that they're constantly cheating the game. It's when things don't go their way and there seems to be this sense of desperation that kicks in and then they start cheating the game. That's when they go so, away from their structure. Just one quick one, Jeff. I, I would only counter in terms of the line mates. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers was there beside Mark Shifley for a long stretch and, and there were still the same kind of areas where there was up and down play. So um, I think Mark's got to, like I said, Mark needs to be, one of the outside of Connor Hellebuck, Mark's got to be one of the most important players on the Jets in the second half. And if he's not one of the most effective players, they're in big trouble. So, Don't you agree with that? Or oh, 100%. I, I think we said, I said that on, I think I said last show, I definitely said on Huss's show earlier. I said the reason why we're talking about Mark Shifley so much is because he's that important to the team. Yeah. The reason why we, you know, people, some people want to, you know, want us to talk about it. Some people are just sick and tired of it that's a good point i think there's a suggestion there like is it crazy to suggest taking the c off blake wheeler like is that a crazy suggestion you know like like what or maybe that's not the question when when i think about effect that would have because you got a guy who i saw there's instances during the game blake's not happy during the game you know nate schmidt misses him on that power play i think i don't know if it was power play kind of whips the puck around and it goes off the boards and he's smashing his stick against the, you know, like he didn't, sorry, he didn't smash it. You could hear him yell, swear, like he's pissed off. Like to me, it's like, if, if, if you're building around a different leadership group, like they're not even coming out and talking about it. You know what I mean? I'm not saying NHL leadership doesn't necessarily mean having to be in the media all the time, but there isn't like, it doesn't feel like there's that element of accountability. Maybe that accountability only matters inside the locker room. And obviously it matters more inside the locker room than it does outside of the locker room. But at the same time, you know, is there a, like, is this not a 
chance to kind of shift things? Like, why is Mark have an A? Because he's good? Or, you know, because he was a point of game per player? Or is, is he a real leader in that locker room? That's a question. It's not, it's not unprecedented because the San Jose Sharks did it, right? They took, they stripped mm-hmm. Joe Thornton of the C, but they had Joe Pavelski to go to, right? Like, they had a guy who is, like, you know, should have had that letter. I'm not sure if there's someone on the Those team guys have that been you here look for at 11 years. Sure. I'm not sure though if you look at that at that situation and think, you know, there's a guy on the Jets that that letter definitely belongs to. I think there's guys who could wear it, but I'm not sure there's someone that you look at and say that guy needs to have the C the way that they would have done in San Jose. But here's the other part of this. I'll I'll say this. I went and I covered the San Jose Sharks the year after they stripped the C from Joe Thornton and Joe Thornton's Still came out and and met with the media all the time, was good about it, still held like a leadership role even without it. So he handled that really well. I don't know that you could expect Blake Wheeler to handle. Like, I, I think that move is made in San Jose because you've got a guy you're taking the C from who you're confident, while maybe he's not happy with it, is going to still respond well to it and still take on being a leader, even if you've taken that leadership role away from him, but also having that other guy to take it to. And you don't I do don't, it mid-season. You can't do it mid-season. You I can't do it mid-season. Yeah. And I don't know that you could expect that from what from what we've seen from Blake Wheeler, you're, you know, what you've talked about, I'm not sure you could expect Blake would handle it as well as Joe Thornton. Oh, that's a guarantee. There's no chance. On the other thing, too, I mean, Joe's not – I mean – I think we should also, I mean, we got to also remember that the circumstances have changed so much, right? When the room was open, Blake did talk every single game, right? When it's been yep. Zoom, now we know these things are all spread out. I mean, you know, a lot of the times the players are chosen for us, right? So, um, no, they're yeah, not. well, on occasion they are. More off, more we choose more. We don't ask for Blake anymore, really. Like you know, like no, no fair, one, right? No one, no one, no one, no one stopped. Like no one goes. This is who your guy you're getting after a game. Is that or is that the case? No, you're like, right. P- people well, ask, and 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 like usually there there hasn't it hasn't lined up enough that Blake has been the biggest difference maker that we've asked for him. You're asking for you know Cole Perfetti had a good night, so but it's not just Cole it's, Perfetti, it's, but it's right? a combination Kyle of Connor's both. Always it's doing a combination something. of both. It's not no, it's it's not having the impact in the game to want to necessarily talk to him, but it's also understanding you're just going to get a guy who's pissed off. You know what I mean? Like there is no like you know there is no perspective post game. There's perspective the day after. I would never ask for Blake after a game like tonight. I was the one asking for people. Yeah. Should the captain talk tonight? Probably. But what would that have done? It just would have been an angry piss test between us. Like, even the slightest question would have ticked him off because he's not happy. He's a competitor, right? Like, he's driven that way. That's why I asked for Paul Stastny and Josh Morrison, two guys who you know are going to bring, you know, are going to be able to talk level-headed and and whatever. And, I mean, that's that's that speaks to the competitive edge of a guy like Blake Wheeler too, right? I mean, we've gotten to know Blake. We know how competitive he is. We know how bad he wants to win, but like if you can't garner perspective as an NHL hockey player after a loss, like I just shake you just shake your head, like you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know you guys think, but I, I just there's no point in asking for him. Like it's just doesn't make any sense. All, all well, I was saying is, all I was saying is in terms of comparison. I mean, Joe's Sean. I do agree, and we've been around the Sharks in the playoffs. I mean. He is a guy who's available, but like Joe's not a guy that talks every single day either. Joe Thornton, it, it, yeah. 
He's a, no, he's more of a he's more when, of a when he talks when he's when he talks he's great. I'm just saying it, it's a different situation. And I mean the, the Sharks did the same thing with Patrick Marlowe, right? Patrick Marlowe was wasn't he also a captain that they removed, yep. but then he was yes. still part of the leadership group. I mean, this is why it makes sense, right? It's it's you've got the example of the the C and the A who both lose that, and that's what we're talking about here in this market, right? I just I just don't think Joe Pavelski is such an obvious place to go. You know what I mean? When he's with that team, I just don't think that that obvious, you know, in the chat room is doing a good job of talking about this, right? Like Pierre-Luc Dubois, Hey, maybe you give him the C, but they got to lock him down, right? Like you can't pin your future on, on a guy that you're not sure is going to be there. Right. So, you know, Josh Morrissey, I think would be the most obvious guy to go to the seas here long term. He speak, he does a great job. He's clearly a leader on the team. That makes sense. Doesn't need to be your best player, but, yeah. Anyway, sorry, Ken. Go on. No, it's fine. It's all good. I think we're. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't see this happening with the Jets. I don't see a you know. A, I don't a either, change yeah. in the leadership, and I and I. You're right. I mean, if there's. Oh, and I'm not know, even necessarily it, advocating for it. I'm just curious on what that would look like. You know what I mean? Like, because if it continues, if you're trying to bring in usher in a new era, like those guys have been here for more than a decade. You know what I mean? Like you've had that. Like, and now we're seeing a team regress. Well, so, see, that's the interesting so, part of this is because, like were, you know, this is ago. this is the first sign. This is the first sign, I think, where you can take away all the stuff about like the last couple of years. It's been about Dustin Bufflin retiring and they've had these problems. They just, just sorry, Sean, just address defense. some of these comments here about like, you know, Blake. Absolutely. Blake Wheeler should talk after a game. I'm not disagreeing with you. It's coming from a guy who's had interactions with him and knows you're not going to get anything. Like, you literally yeah. don't get anything. We need to write a story to give you information. He doesn't provide it. Like, there's many examples that, that it just becomes, like, should he be talking? For sure. In fact, there's part of him that should have walked out those doors today and addressed the team or addressed the media before he came out. We shouldn't have to ask for him. He should walk out and offer that perspective. But he didn't. And I'm not blaming him for not, you know, going against our requests. But it's just like, you know, there's a reason. And I, I agree with Rob on here. I agree with other people who are commenting that he should speak after game. Absolutely, he should speak after game. It's just but in he, a situation like this, Jeff, like it's it's not like the old room where you can just walk in and he's waiting by a stall and you go there and then you go to everybody else, right? Like we're, you're, you're limited basically to the guys who, who have made an impact in that game. So if he hasn't made an impact in that game, listen, if Blake Wheeler was coming out to address you know, the failure of this team, he'd be out quite often this year, right? Like things have gone sour for this team. So if Blake Wheeler was always coming out and saying, I need to talk after that loss, then he'd be stepping to the mic quite often in an era where you're basically only getting two guys in the coach, right? I mean, he also missed a lot of time here. I don't think that, I mean, I think that that's also part of the reason why he hasn't been around as much. I, I, I want to back up and I want to just talk about something here quickly. You guys talked about this and we kind of moved on, but I wanted to get into this, the idea of, of the Jets cheating the game. Wrench Doozer nailed it for me. The Jets have cheated the game since the second half of 2018-19 season. I'd say right into 2018. That's when I I'll said I knew this. your answer. It was years ago. Well, we've been, we've well been listen, about this listen. Forever. 
the 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 Winnipeg Jets, and I've said this time and time again, and you know I've got my reputation here from the chat room of being like the fun police, right? And one of the reasons <laughs> yeah. why, one of the reasons why is all those games, and everyone knows these kind of games, these games where the Jets are down three one, and they haven't really put in much, and they were getting outshot thirty three to fifteen and whatever, and then they hold on and suddenly bang bang bang, they score three goals, they win the game four three, and the line afterwards was always was always, oh, this team knows how to win. You know, it's in our DNA, all this kind of stuff. Those were the games. Go back and watch those games. Those were the games that the Jets cheated the game. And they got away with it for so long. And that was the biggest problem. And I remember those games used to just like, I, I, I couldn't stand them because you knew something good was not going to happen out of this. You knew that this team was learning bad habits. You knew that it was becoming complacent with not putting in a hundred percent effort. And you knew that they just thought that they could score their way out of problems. And they did that for years, but this has been going on for a long time. And it, it I, I've said this, you know, I, I can, we, you and I had this conversation, like it feels like their shot regression, all that kind of stuff. It's like their luck has run out, right? Like they leaned on, Connor Hellebuck far too many times. They leaned on not showing up and then just pouncing in the third period and scoring their way back into games far too many times. And it's fun, right? It's fun if you're a Jets fan to see your team and know your team is never out of any game. And, oh, man, that other fan base, they thought they had us, and yet we just stole stole that game out from underneath them. It's great. It's, it's great if you're a fan to see that happen time and time again. But if the result of that is that a team is not playing the game the right way and they're cheating the game, well, this is where you eventually end up and we're here. But I, I'll say this to you guys and I'll bring up his comments again. I don't know if I need to bring it up again, but if he's not talking about guys being on the same page and if I'm right and the Jets have been cheating the game for a long time, then that, that has to be on Paul Maurice when he was here. And it has to be on Dave Lowry that now that he's here right now, if your players are cheating the game, they're not playing the game the right way. And it's your job as a coach to get them to play the right way. And this, I go back to the comments that Mark Scheifele made that you guys didn't like, but you like the comments from Paul Stastny, which here today are basically the same thing as he did during the seven game losing streak last time. Clearly he's calling out his fellow teammates here, but how is how are you not? <clears throat> if your players are not playing the right way and they're getting away with it, how is so, that not so, on the coach as well? So, so agreed. So Sean, absolutely. So so if, if you're if you're agreement, and I think I agree too with the cheating the game since the, the mid of the 18-19 season, you know what that tells me? It's the wrong game plan for this group of players. You either need different players for the game plan you have, or you need to find a different strategy or game plan. If if players are constantly cheating something, like how often, how long for years were they expecting a bunch of young scorers? To be pretty much 200 foot players and play this physical game and it just didn't work and then and it's that season where it was like no we're just gonna we're gonna we're gonna give up the odd man rushes we're gonna score because we you know we're, we're offensively gifted i think it directly falls on the coach i think there's been a vision for this team that when you look at the makeup of every of this of this group and kevin Shevelday off in their trade uh, and the and the scouting staff has has drafted the same guy over and over and over again and then you're asking them to be like this physical, like, you know, tougher, hard to play Western Conference team. You got a bunch of skilled guys. I don't know. I think that does fall on the coaching staff, but it, it, it's from the beginning. I think the culture was, in, you know, from the moment the Jets got here, there's just been this kind of player driven culture 
that has, you know, it's evolved over time and it's improved certainly from the early stages of the Jets. But at the end, at the end of it, it's just, there's no real, I don't think you can point to a winning formula for their success. It's, and if it, if there is one, it's offensively gifted players and hoping you don't get scored on with the number one goalie in, 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 you know, in, in the world for years. Like, I just think, you know, imagine this team didn't have goaltending. Imagine they didn't find Connor Hellebuck. Like, you know, I just, where would this team be? I don't know. And I think that's masked a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, the underlying issues that have kind of simmered here because how, I mean, how many times do we have to hear Paul Maurice say, well, you know, guys got to, you know, we got to be consistent. We got to work this game plan everybody. And then the same thing, you know, from Dave Lowry, but it's a different philosophy, a slightly different philosophy. And it's like, well, they got to be, you know, they got to buy in. Well, why isn't anyone buying in? Like, why is there no buy-in from this group for years? Because they are that talented. Ken? Yeah, I mean, I just don't think that it's, uh, I don't think it's systemic in terms of. Before you go, Dan Dan Asham asked where he can get a Kenny and Rennie shirt. Thanks for that. Uh, We, by the way, we've got a bunch more stuff coming to the store there, but I'm going to leave this on the ticker right now. If you want to go get one of these shirts or a Sean's headband shirt, you can go to uh, this down here below. Um, I'll put it into the chat room so people can maybe uh, uh, copy it and paste it if they want to get there. Anyways, Ken, take it away. No, it's it's fine. I, I just I I don't think the Jets have you know eighteen cheaters in the lineup right now. I just think that they they don't seem to they seem to lack the you know either willing I, I guess the willingness to stick to the plan. I guess in some regards. I mean, I don't think any coach says you know have a wide open game. I mean, I just think that the 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 players aren't doing a great enough, a good enough job of executing uh, on the nights. I mean, this is what I'm saying. So w- the Jets game plan was no different Saturday afternoon than it was tonight. On one day they execute and the next day they don't. I mean, one day the Saturday it's great coaching and today it was bad coaching. I mean, I I just don't, to me, I, I totally understand. And some folks are down on coaching and I totally get it. But I mean, I, I, I think... I've always kind of leaned the other way. I want to see the players be a little bit more accountable. Uh, and Jeff, I mean, I understand what you're saying in terms of the of, of maybe open it up, but, but I would counter by saying I think the Oilers have had, you know, been reliant on being an offensive team and they haven't been able to buckle down defensively either. And they've kind of run into the same problems as the Jets have had. And they have two of the best players in the NHL. So if a team with two of the best players in the NHL can't run and gun their way to success... I don't blame the Jets for trying to be a little bit more diligent well, defensively, no, no, no. Kenny, even though they haven't been able to, to, to buckle I'm down. I'm not saying that because they have talented players that they all of a sudden should be turning into a run-and-gun team. I'm saying that they maybe shouldn't be as a, a, trying to claim to be as heavy as a team as I think that some of the coaching staff has wanted. I got, I got low batteries, so i got to find an outlet right here. <laughs> Um, That's well, okay. We, hey, we can't go two hours today. I got well, I know we won't go two hours, but you know, I'm not giving I'm not giving Sean last last say. You know, uh, <laughs> I will say this, Hammy, and we've had this conversation before, uh, which is you know maybe where you got this from. But I've said this: the Winnipeg Jets do, and maybe Ken, remind me if I said this on the show. The Winnipeg Jets do a phenomenal job of drafting. I think they find skill and speed as good as or maybe better than every you know than most other teams but i will say this the winnipeg jets seem to find the same kind of player quite often and i'll say this not that these guys are exactly the same but patrick line a 
is similar to Kyle Connor, is similar to Nick Ehlers, is similar to Jack Roslick, is similar to Chaz Lucius. Like these are all similar type of players. They're they're uber skilled. They're fast. They can, you know, make plays at the NHL level. I think the Jets scouting staff does a phenomenal job of finding offensive talent that is going to translate to the NHL, maybe better than anyone else. But I think Jeff is making the point that someone else, we talked about this on another show, it's like the old Nintendo entertainment system where you have to balance your roster with the skinny guy, the mid-range guy, or the big heavy guy who couldn't get knocked off the puck. Like, do, do the Jets... Well, hang on, so Hold the on, Jets also... I'll, I'll ask you the question. I'll ask you the question. Because you're going to with the big tub guys. Isn't that Blades of Steel or is that not... Blades whatever, of Steel, yeah, whatever. good one. Yep, good one. But, but, yeah, but Ken, are, to, to Jeff's point, are the Jets being asked to play a game that they don't have the personnel to play. I would also counter by saying the Jets have also drafted Andrew Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, and David Gustafson, who are also very similar, but not as offensively gifted as the players you mentioned. Yes, in the in the first round, they've opted for more skill and high-end goal scoring. Uh, but, I mean, is there, you know, I think this probably leads to a bigger discussion, which I think we should get into. Is the roster composition part of the problem? Or part of the issue right now and wow. i think that it's probably fair to say i think to a degree that it's not a mix that is working and at least it's not that. an elite it's not an elite team mix um even though it it, it, it pr- produced elite team results in 2018 since that time the roster has had some uh yeah, you know either holes right. or holes or, or deficiencies um so i mean how do the, how do they attack that i mean in the coming weeks or months. Well, here, listen, I, and I've said this before, and we're not <coughs> to, we don't have time anymore to get into the trade talks. But I will say this: the fact that the Jets have been able to—it's—it's it's harder to find super skilled guys who translate to the NHL level than it is the kind of grinding guys who fill out your roster, right? So what? what when we get to this, and this is something that Freaky Fresh said right off the top of the show: start talking about <laughs> trades. Well. That's the thing is you can't you you have the talent to dangle like you know I was listing that list of like uber offensive slick players well add Cole Perfetti to that you know what I mean there's another guy who's going down that th- that road right so like you have an abundance of super super skilled guys but I wonder and we've talked about this in the past I wonder if the fact that there's so many of those guys on the same roster that that's one of the reasons it's hard to find knights where the Jets, to, to Paul Stastny's point, says some guys are going on some nights, some guys aren't going on the same night. It may be hard to get all those guys going on the same night because they all play the same kind of game. Similar, you know, talented, skate, stay away from the play, pass the puck, move it around. Like, hey, I'll say this, that Kyle Connor goal, remember when I talked about the the, the Shifley, Kyle Connor uh, um, Blake Wheeler goal. It's like the sleight of hand trick. The first guy gets the puck, pushes the defense back, drops it back, moves it across the ice, and it's one timer in the back of the net. Well, that's exactly what we saw. The goal that we saw from Pierre Luc Dubois, Cole Perfetti, and Kyle Connor tonight was the patented Wheeler Shifley Kyle Connor goal, right? It's the same kind of scoring that's happening, even though you've got a guy who's a gritty guy on that line. Like, maybe being able to have different styles of play and probably, you know, the Lowry line, how it used to be, was a big part of the Jets' success ju- I, back in I, that I've time. I've literally just been holding that in my mind to say, like, maybe maybe Andrew Cobb doesn't need to be on a line with Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley. Maybe he needs to go back and help out Adam Lowry. I see a lot of comments here about Adam Lowry. I, d- I agree in the sense that we're certainly not seeing 
the level of play that maybe we come to expect or, you know, I've seen from Adam Lowry in previous years. I don't think he's playing bad. I just think he's a little, like, you want to talk about identity. I think he's lost a little bit identity because of his line. Like, you know, like, you know, he was a, you know, he had, he had guys that were hard checkers, you know, Paul Stassi is, 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 yeah, is a good player, but they were, they were hard on the puck, you know, like, Paul Sassy's not exactly the hardest on the puck. He's smart. He's an intelligent player. I think he could complement Adam Lowry's game. But I think there was less thinking going on with Adam Lowry on a line with Andrew Kopp and another running gunner. You know what I mean? And 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 they had and they almost had like and here's the other thing. You often hear about you know everyone wants a piece of it. I don't think that everyone's getting a piece of this Jets success or feels a piece of this team. Adam Lowry had that role on that line playing with Andrew Kopp playing with whether it was Tanev, Appleton, Roslevic for a spell. Like, there was an identity on that line. They owned it. They felt good. You'd be surprised how mentally challenging it is for some of these guys that when things don't go right, how big a piece of confidence is. You know, when you have a confident team, when you have confident players, you play confidently. And, like, you know, and you have that edge, you have that swagger, as Josh Morrissey suggested after the game today. I just think it's manufactured swagger right now. It's not, it's not genuine. I got, Ken, I wanted to ask you about this. Maybe 81 needs to return to 55 and 26 to get them going. I mean, it's interesting. It's an interesting suggestion because this is... But if, if the Jets were to do that, would that not be kind of a sign, again, of you know not deploying ice time in the way that players deserve? Don't, don't Cole Perfetti and Pierre-Luc Dubois deserve to have Kyle Connor on their line the way that they've played? Yeah, I personally don't, I'm not advocating for that. I mean, I, I understand the premise would be that, you know, in the best game that Blake Wheeler played on December 10th against the Vancouver Canucks, that line was dominant. Um, you know, but right now I would say that the the chemistry with Dubois is probably something the Jets need to continue getting. And to me, Mark's been around a long time. He needs to get himself out of this, is my personal thought, um, you know. If they want to give a couple shifts, you know, power shifts coming out of a penalty killing situation like they've done in the past, um, whether it's with Dubois or with Kyle Connor, all the all you know, all the power to them. Um, but no, I mean, I think that I mean, Mark's Mark's been a point of game player for five seasons. He doesn't need someone uh, to go onto his line to get him going. He needs to get himself going. Uh, but in terms of identity, I agree with Jeff, and we've talked about this a ton this year. The Jets' third line has not had an identity this year. There have been some nights where they've been okay, but uh, outside of the time when Lowry took over and Kopp and Lowry t- were together, they have not been asked to take on the responsibility of checking the other team's best line. And, you know, that's part of that was part of what made those guys successful because that not just because they were diligent defensively and conscious in terms of their assignments, they spent the majority when that line was its most effective with Brandon Tanev and their analytics were incredibly high and their production was helpful they spent almost all of the time in the offensive zone cycling the puck and Brandon Tanev was you know the Tasmanian devil on the forecheck and those guys would churn the puck and defensively he's blocking you know eight or eight shots a game I mean they don't have that right now the the physical part of the element of their you know Austin Pagansky's done a nice job getting in on the body but I mean, Austin Pagansky is more of a depth player right now. So, well, I, also, I, I mean, we we haven't even talked about Nick Ehlers not being in the lineup, right? I mean, oh, Nick, you, like, you know, you know, I mean, having him on that group. I mean, maybe Dave Lowry is the coach that finally puts Blake Wheeler down to a third line with Adam Lowry and Paul Stastny, and it's so it's not the checking line, but maybe it's a third line 
that has a scoring edge to it, that plays defensively responsible. Um, and then you have Nick Ehlers playing with, with uh, Mark Shifley, um, you know, and, and, and getting that chemistry going, right? I mean, that's kind of and, – and Andrew Kopp, right? So, like, you know, he's worked his way up to the top six, I guess. So, you know, having that group, I think that's a massive piece. But when you're talking about one player – you know, coming back in to change everything when you just got your ass kicked essentially by a team that had all three of their centermen out, like, it's kind of like, okay, well, are we waiting? Is the, are the Jets waiting for 27 to come back? Like, I don't know. Well, I'll say this and we got to shut it down here guys. Cause it's uh, we've gone long again and that's okay. But uh, I, I just think that we were talking in, in some of the shows past about, uh, Mark Shifley being taken off the ice for the last little bit of the game and then the last three minutes of the game before that. I was, I did want to get into this. I don't think we have time for it, but like the ice time reflecting the effort coming from the players. It's one of the things that we talked about, Ken, when the move to Dave Lowry was made at first is was that going to be reflected? Were we going to see maybe, you know, some of the top players on this team, you know, having ice time suffer as a result of this? I, I would say that, you know, we started out and we started seeing a lot of, of you know, younger players given opportunity by Dave Lowry. I don't know how much of that we've confused with the idea that the Jets have ran into COVID and a bunch of issues like that. And there's opportunity because there has to be opportunity. But I would say this, if like our chat room is suggesting and Jeff is suggesting and you can, I think, are suggesting and I'm suggesting that Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler have not been at the top of their game while uh, taking ice time away from them has not been a tool that Dave Lowry has wanted to employ very much so far. Uh, do you want to say something before we go, Ken? Well, I mean, there was only, what, uh, 1848 for Shifley, 1712 for Dubois. So, I mean, I mean, Shifley used to be an automatic 20 plus. 20 so plus, I, yeah. I don't think that it's fair to say Lowry hasn't impacted his ice time. Could he go further? Sure. But there's also an element when a team isn't scoring, Mark's a guy that they need to get going. So, I mean, there is a little bit of a push and pull there. But, I mean, there were times this year where there were, you know, four to six minutes of disparity in ice time. Right now, for the majority of games, it's been a minute or two. So I personally see that as progress. I mean, could he go further on some nights? Yes. But further to our point that we said coming right out of the gate, the Jets need to get Mark Shifley going. And sitting him on the bench and having him play 12 to 15 minutes I don't see that as a way, um, you know, outside of maybe trying to get a quick spark out of it. I don't see that a, a way of having Mark get successful and get things turned around. Because the reality he, is, you got to give those minutes to somebody. He needs else. to be leaned on, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, so to me, uh, I think that there have been some strides taken, uh, and we'll see. It, the proof will be in the pudding. I mean, the Jets play Central Division teams head to head. It's not going to take long for us to figure out if the Jets are in it or if they're oh, going yeah. to be moving into the other mode of potentially selling, and uh, then it becomes a bigger discussion. But to me, this is very simple. Um, you know, the Jets are about to, you know, they will be challenged to show everyone what they're made of coming out of the break, and it's not going to take long for us to find out. And right. I saw someone asking on there about about uh, Nick, Nick Ehlers and, and when he's coming back. I asked Dave Lowry, um, knowing that he's on long-term injured reserve, um, he said he's progressing, but he's quote unquote not soon. So you know that's we're t we're talking weeks here. You know, yeah. So I mean? the, the yeah, earliest know, like, was the 14th in terms yeah. of when he can come off. I, I yeah. would not be holding my breath for Nick Ehlers yeah. to be available on the yeah, 14th exactly. of February. Yeah. That's the vibe All I got too. 
Okay, uh, Jeff, awesome joining thanks, us. Make sure you lot, travel man. safe on the way home, my friend. It was great to have you. Wasn't as much fireworks tonight, but don't worry, we'll get back to it. There's, you know there's what? Still... That you know that that's got to be genuine hatred, right? That can't just be manufactured. So yeah, it's, no, it's just kidding. But exactly. yeah, no, we'll uh, we got plenty of time to bring the bring the heat, and uh, you know, you often incite it, so it's good. Thank you so much, my friend. And speaking of bringing the heat, our chat room did tonight as they usually do. If you haven't done so already, click like on the video. Go back, check out our long forms. Uh, we are. Can't wait to get home and get my shirt. Thursday. Sorry, oh, yeah, just right. Remember, folks. Uh, just a scheduling note: uh, the long form edition of the podcast will also be taking its NHL All Star break this week, so we won't be back until after Tuesday night's game. But then we'll be uh, full blast uh, out of the, coming out of the break here. You bet. Uh, so like I said, click like, subscribe to our channel if you haven't done so already because we're doing Mark this my all words, year. Brandon Alexander is back with the Bombers this year. Don't worry about it for anyone asking about that. There you go. There you go. A little CFL breaking news here as well. Absolutely. Thank you so much for uh, for joining us here, everyone, tonight. Uh, really appreciate it. Um, make sure that you check out the All-Star Game on Sportsnet. And uh, we'll, we'll see you when it's all said and done and the Jets get into the grind. See you later, everybody.